first podcast for IT for Whiskey. I am Craig Hickman from Pro Blue. My name is Joe Eustia <laughs> from Infinite IT. I'm Myron Herrera, Finance Tech Solutions. So today, guys, we're going to talk about how to kickstart your MSP business. It's a big deal. It's a beginning. It's a, it's a broad topic, but I think we can do it. I think we can help a lot of people if we can uh, keep it focused and uh, keep our clothes on. So, Craig, how did it all start with you? Well, we, we started this in uh, 2000 and 2005, and we didn't really have uh, the MSP model. That wasn't, I don't think it really existed back then. But uh, in the beginning, we had an office, and to manage clients, we actually set up individual VPN connections wow. to each client so that we could remotely admin and administrate the machines. This was before LogMeIn and yeah, any RMN tool. Right. Yeah. So we were using, I think, mostly RDP and maybe a handful of other tools. How about you, Joe? Well, when we first started out, um, our company has a little bit of a different background. We started as a software development company. We evolved into managed IT support services and value-added reseller services, traditional bar services. As uh, the years went by, at around 2010, when we did a rebrand of our company, and um, the big thing that happened, we decided... IT support is where it's at, and we want to focus on um, the business-to-business market and really focus on supporting commercial organizations. And we got out of all the traditional things that we were doing. The challenge that we faced, though, was similar to what you guys are saying. We were using archaic tools and VPN, and um, we started with uh, TeamViewer at around 2007 or 2008, but by 2012, it we'd evolved to uh, other tools, but um, yeah, we like everyone else in the industry, we had our roots and we, we evolved with the, uh, with customer's demand. Yeah. So in my, in my case uh, for Cinetech, we, we started as a MSP from the ground up. Uh, I had, I was working prior to uh, for a um, small break fix uh, bar. Um, and I try to implement the, the whole uh, MSP model. Uh, within the, uh, that organization, um, they weren't willing to make the change, and I really believed the the, the model, and uh, um, you know that sparked the Cinetech Solutions uh, brand. Um, and it, you know, from from day one, we we, we went with that because I truly thought it was going to change the way that IT was being serviced. At, at the beginning, it was just me and a partner. There was a lot of struggles when we started the business. We didn't know how to how to run a business. We knew how to fix computers and manage networks. So that, that was a that was a huge struggle. And I'm assuming that a lot of the new guys, new businesses are going through that, you know. Any 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 struggles outside of the typical IT tools uh, that you went through at the beginning? Well I think most of our budget goes towards whiskey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> although I don't even I, even at the beginning yeah, uh, it was it was pretty rough. A lot of uh, actually, I, I remember we were talking about this not too long ago. I remember staying up till like two a.m. and then up at five. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because there was just uh, three of us in the beginning when we started it, so there was a lot of work. Things got a lot easier when we got uh, Bombgar. It uh, saved a lot of time because yeah. now we could access multiple sites from a single console and support many devices across many platforms. Yeah. Although we were very early on, our first uh, remote tool was LogMeIn. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
that of course evolved and changed and all the free stuff went away and now it's all pay and we had a, we had our own server room in the beginning we actually hosted clients email in-house and all those things and wow we had a, we had a generator and cooling and <laughs> the interesting thing is back then pre-public infrastructure cloud services um, I think we all did that. We went down a similar path where we started building out a data center and we stopped it. And it's been the greatest decision we've ever made by not doing that. But, yep. you know, predating that, you know, talking at uh, how do we get there and how do we get to that that critical mass where the tools make a difference and how, how do you have any type of work-life balance as a, as a young MSP? It's It's tough. It's really tough. And it's critical to onboard as many customers as you can in as relatively quickest amount of time possible so that you can start paying yourself and making money. But chicken and the egg, you start investing in tools and then you need more customers to, to pay it off. You invest in tools yeah. and it's just a non-ending cycle, right? So the yeah. question is, how do you um, manage that? How do you yeah. balance that? How do you get that work-life balance? And you know, I, I know there's a, a lot of people and like I went to a conference just this morning I bumped into some people in the industry that used to work for, you know, the big guys, if you will, and they've gone out on their own. And hearing their stories of, of what they're going through reminded me of so much when we first started out in this industry and, and, and what we went through. So, you know, one of the big things when you're first starting that we struggled with, although we, we, we were lucky enough to gain a couple of good customers from the beginning, the struggle was at some point the referral or the family that referred you someone or, uh, as a customer that kind of runs out. If you don't have any customers, you don't have anything, right? So Great. how do you how do how did you guys go out there and get new customers and grow the business? Hit the pavement, literally. I went to every trade show imaginable. I networked with everyone I could. I, you know, everyone thinks, oh, go to the manufacturer, they'll help you. Let me tell you, everyone else in the industry is wants to do the same thing because they see that as the easiest path. And truth be told, you've got the big guys go after the big manufacturers on a daily basis for the Glengarry leads, if you will. And you're handed by manufacturers, scraps. you mean vendors, right? By manufacturers, you mean the vendors. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, like the 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 big guys, the big brands in the IT industry. He's, in, um, he's Canadian, so we have to, you know. Oh, come on. <laughs> wow. Really? I was hoping we can avoid this whole cultural thing of, or. He, he's actually more trustworthy. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually more trustworthy because I'm Canadian. Oh. Sorry. Yeah, well, there's that. <laughs> Sorry. Keep going. So, um, ultimately speaking, you know, everybody, I remember early in my career, I used to spend so much time with the manufacturers, and yeah. I get business out of it, don't get me wrong, but it was low margin, low sticky business, transactional, and you know what? Yeah, they add up, don't get me wrong. And and we built our business by doing that, but I don't think it was the right thing because none of those customers, 0% of those customers I got through those manufacturer leads exist in our customer base today. We don't have any of them. They, those are the type of customers that want a transaction. They don't want a relationship necessarily. Mm -hmm. And they want hardware and they want it cheap and they want service for free. And they, you know, they don't really typically look for um, what we define a good customer. Yep. So when I look at my 80% of my revenue, 
know, the 80-20 rule totally applies. It literally comes from our top 20 customers. I'd almost say 90% of our revenue comes from our top 20 customers. Those customers were all homegrown. There were cold calls or referrals or somehow that we networked at a conference or we went to some kind of business association or commerce or whatever you want to call it. And we network that way. Craig, you're the same and, guy. How do you, how do you deal with it? Acquiring new customers? Yeah. How did you deal with it in the beginning? Well, I, I know what we're talking about, but I just want to clear. I mean, Joe extrapolated a lot. So I just want to make sure I come back into focus here. Yeah. Focus, Craig. Focus. Sell you a pen. So this pen is great. It has writing a, a capability. It'll run ever, it'll never run out of ink. <laughs> You know, uh, this topic came up the other day here locally. Someone asked me, uh, how do you approach um, like local events that go on in town, right. chamber events or anything of that nature? And uh, how do you uh, give a lasting impression to people so that they remember you when you leave the event? Well, what, what it is is repetition is always going, always participate, repetition. always be up. Yeah, rep what did I say? Reputation, repetition, oh, the same thing. But uh, if you don't go, they'll eventually forget about you. Yeah. And, um, and I, I'm kind of a likable guy sometimes. Uh, yeah. I try to uh, always listen. But uh, one thing that people don't like is don't always try to sell yourself or sell the company. Always try to listen to their company and their needs. And if you're not a good fit, find someone who is. Because a lot of things come full circle. They'll come back. Yeah. Don't ever close a door that could be open again. That's so true. No, I think I think you're you're right. I mean, for us, uh, we we hit those networking events, the chambers. Uh, and we always went at the beginning. We thought it was a waste of time. You know, it wasn't until we fully engaged in the events and the networking events or the, the chambers that we started to create relationships. And those relationships were not about someone wanting some, some IT services, but became, you know, business friend relationship. And from that came business because they would go out there and constantly think about, you know, hey, you know, these guys, they can use your services and, and whatnot. Um, and leads started to come in. Uh, not only that, the other thing that we did that helped us out a lot at the beginning, you know, we gave back to some nonprofits. And those nonprofits were very uh, appreciative of what we did. And they provided us a lot of leads to other actually larger nonprofits than the one that they were. So we ended up getting a lot of business that way. Some of our large customers today are still some of those those accounts that came from from that uh, those events. You said one thing, uh, both of you actually said something very similar that you, you hit at home. Patience is everything. You can't expect to go to one chamber meeting or to one breakfast or to one right. event and get rich off it. It doesn't right. happen. Right. Repetition, absolutely. And not selling yourself is key. You yeah. know, I find that when I'm meeting prospects for the first time, so there's a lot of times where I say, here's a company I want to get into. I find out where the person is that I want to meet is going to be. That's not hard to find out. Maybe they're a keynote speaker. Maybe they're a part of this association. Maybe they're whatever the case may be. And I would start frequenting those events. Stalker. It sounds stalkerish, but this is business. <laughs> and so, and so like, I'm not stalking them for, you know, unethical reasons. I want to do business with them. Right. right. Mm -hmm. And so once they start seeing you, they, they, they feel, you know, it's a familiar face and you can, you know, approach them, start talking to them. But the key that I found and the most important thing that I do in my sales cycle is I never talk about myself. I just listen. 
And you said you, you nailed it on the head when you said that. Listening is 90% of communication. It, if you kind of put some nuggets out there to kind of get find out what people like and what they're into, you know, whether it could be <clears throat> greening the world, cars, you know, architecture, people like different whiskeys or whatever the case may be, if you appeal to them on a human scale and human level and you appeal to their personal likes, you know, you'll find really quickly, and this is a lesson I learned early in my day, of early in my sales career, career, is that people buy from people. They don't buy from companies. Yeah, that's and, true. And, you know, think about all the, the reps that we've worked with from the manufacturers, the vendors over the years, and they've moved around from one company to another. Yeah. So did your business. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it follows the people a lot of times because you have that relationship with them and you, you want to continue working with that person because you mm -hmm. like that person. Right. right. That's a good point. And, and it's, it's because those are the type of people I find that when they, my vendor reps or manufacturer reps or partner reps come to see me, they listen to me. Yeah. So I, I, I learned early in my career that, you know, sales is 90% listening and 5% watching body language, if you will, and less than 5% is actually talking back yeah. and responding. I know I was, Craig has I a was, problem I with that. Taught, I was taught 85-15 growing up with sales. 85% customer, 15% you. I mean, but yeah, you, you can break it down. Yeah. However you want, right? Yeah. Yeah. But one thing I've learned is people love to talk about themselves. I didn't know that talking to you, Craig. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you know so much about me now. The more the more they get to talk about themselves, the more you learn, and then you need to latch on to the important details that may not be important to them, but will help you later when you remember and bring up important events in their life and so forth and so on. Because I remember the weirdest things about people yeah. that you wouldn't think would be important, but then I'll meet them the next time and ask them how something happened or something went. They're like, oh, wait, what? The interesting thing is in my early days, I had a sales manager I worked under in the 90s. I don't, I don't know if you guys remember ACT. Remember ACT? Yeah, yeah, I remember ACT. Yeah. So we used ACT. Oh, God. We used FileMaker was our what we call PSA today, the equivalent of our PSAs, and ACT was our CRM. The two didn't talk to each other, by the way. No right. connection whatsoever. This is the early days. But I remember that that sales manager instilled into my brain early in my career said to me, you know, go meet with a customer, write down what you can, but don't write too much because you don't want them to you know, it's important to write things down that are important, but you don't want to write everything down because you don't want to look stupid at the same time. Get out to your car, pen and paper, and just start writing down like fever. Like feverishly write everything down to me and, and write every any stupid thing you can think of of the person. They were wearing brown shoes that day or a, a black belt or whatever the case may be. Write everything down. And then when you get back to the office, the first thing you do, fresh in your mind, put it into act. So the next time you go out to meet the customer, you know, you'll, you'll be able to pick up on all these things. So for, and I remember I had this one customer back in the nineties that I, I, I met them through a friend. There was a, there were a dot-com startup. It was about 97, 98. We go and I meet this guy the first day and he's wearing Nike running shoes. And I was thinking to myself, VP of it dot-com days, Nike running shoes. Eh. Next day I met him. He was wearing Nike, next time I met him, Nike running shoes. Third time I met him, Nike running shoes. And I kept writing this down. So after a few weeks, I mean, this guy I was like, I actually asked him, I said, you, you really like your Nikes, don't you? He's like, what? He's like, yeah, I noticed you're always wearing Nike running shoes. And it turns out that he was a big collector of Nike running shoes. Nice. 
instant credibility. Here we are, fast forward 25 years later, he's still a customer, still a friend on a personal note. I went to his wedding, he's been to mine. Like it, and it started from something really stupid that I got instant credibility that I noticed the little thing. Yeah. And it and it's amazing in sales that that's really what makes the difference. It's not about selling your brand. It's not about selling your company. Don't do that. You need to build the relationship with the people to sell them on trusting you as a person. Yeah. You know, let's talk about some of the other things that you struggle with, you know, when starting uh, the business. We struggled with managing the accounting piece, the billing, that all that process back in 04, you know, we were using Kaseya, which was our RMM, and we were using it for ticketing. So all the ticketing information, all the tickets that we were putting in and all our time entries were all in Kaseya. We had to copy and paste into QuickBooks so that we can create an invoice, you know, and it, it was painful. You know, and then on top of that, you know, we're not accountants, we're not, uh, uh, you know, business majors. So we had to, you know, run the business, make sure that, you know, those P&Ls and the balance sheets and, you know, talk to uh, accounting lingo and we, we just couldn't do it. So those were those were struggles uh, that, you know, it took us a long time to get used to. You know, eventually we moved on to a PSA, which streamlined the whole copy and pasting of our timesheets. But some of the other pieces struggled. I mean, whether it was, you know, getting finance for the business or, you know, knowing when to buy, lease or rent or whatever the case was, you know. So um, how, how, what did you guys, you know, go through? Uh, I think my my biggest struggle was uh, time with my family, honestly. I mean, I I still to this day work a lot of hours, but in the beginning that that took a toll um, being being not just away, but working all the time, which affected my work performance too. I mean, that definitely caused me to rethink a lot of things. Then early on, definitely a lot of manual processes that were manually done in the beginning. We actually wrote our own ticketing system in the beginning. And then when we needed to upgrade our ticketing system, it was going to take us about $30,000 in man hours to do it. And we, that's when we, found the one that we're still using today right none of you use but that's okay <laughs> it interfaces with quickbooks you know what else do you need right the finding the medium between work and life balance is very important and i joined a group in 2006 i think a business advisory group okay. which we still meet together today Wow. And these are business owners that are not in my industry that we get together and uh, we get we discuss our businesses and how and how we help each other uh, is not by recommendation, but from past experiences. So the one thing was in the beginning, I was the youngest. I am still the youngest of the group. So everybody else had stories to share. But but uh, I had some stories to share because I as a young company had problems that a lot of them hadn't experienced in a long time and forgotten about. But uh, that helped me a lot in the beginning. I mean, this is great. I mean, talking to you guys and sharing right. information is great. But uh, having people in the in the region that we could get together and discuss our problems of hiring and people and clients and how to get new clients. Awesome. Uh, it, it was, a, yeah, it was no. a great resource. I know there's uh, <clears throat> right now there's a trend for organizations to try to foster these groups. All the distributors have 
their associations, good, bad, ugly, whatever. It's I'm indifferent on those. You know, if you really want to push product, they're fantastic. If you don't want to push product, there's not as much value. But you know, look at it where the three of us met. You know, conference a couple of years ago, we were sitting in the same boardroom together, and here we are a few years later, and we're still, you know, daily chat, whatever the case yeah. may be. And we have our monthly calls where we talk about our problems. This is this is why I called it. You know, I, I it's funny. I was I was talking to um to a friend on the weekend, who you guys came up in my conversation in person. Of course we did. Oh, you know, of course. Like I talk about you two all the time. You, know, you guys, I dream about you at night. Let me tell you. So <laughs> what happened was, um, you know, the 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 interesting thing was is is the person who runs a very large organization, their Fortune 500 company, said to me, you know, you, what you have is the same thing that I have. It's called a board of directors. You know, something you can leverage on a daily or weekly or monthly basis on demand to deal with problems and to talk openly. And, you know, but what you have is actually better because there are two other individuals that are running the same type of business that are give or take the same size. Yeah. And you are sim- having similar problems, but Maybe today I have this problem. You guys haven't experienced it, and I'll share that with you. And next month, you guys will have a problem that I haven't seen before, yeah. right? And then you'll share it back. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. You know, that type of, you know, getting back to the conferences uh, thing I said earlier, those are really important, but, you know, careful on how much time you waste on, yep. on those conferences. You know, if you're going to go just to listen to what the next processor is or what the next video card is or next SSD drive is or the latest software or the latest cloud solution, you know, it's don't waste your time. But if you're going to go, I always call this, if you're going to go for Mindshare and you're going to go to observe and absorb Mindshare and get Mindshare out of the event, then they're worth it because things like this that we're doing today right. are a result of that Mindshare. Well, I mean, it, you know, that's that's the reason, you know, we we didn't talk about this at the beginning and this being the first podcast. The reason we wanted to put this podcast together and do this, you know, on a regular basis was because we felt that a lot of other MSPs that are out there may not have that that support system. So we want to be able to talk about these things as, you know, as we've experienced them and and maybe even how we resolve them within each other. So throughout the series of podcasts as we move forward, we'll, we'll probably dive into areas about, you know, uh, other services that, that we've tried to implement and, and how we've dealt with it, you know, struggles as we grow. Maybe we'll talk about the different phases because, you know, each one of us uh, are in different phases in, in our businesses, right? So some of us have been around for, for 14, you know, we've been around for 14. Joe's been around forever. Craig, Craig's been around for a little while. Um, and each one have have gone through transformations or or struggles. So you know, going through all that uh, in the next few podcasts would be you know I think it's it's, it's the key to this. You know, one of the things we haven't talked about, and and we've we've gone, which we always say we were going to go overboard on the time. We haven't talked about the whiskey. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I have a I'll question. You you Joe's Joe's been been you know I've been it down. Yeah, he's been chugging it, it but I've been enjoying my whiskey. Yes, I have. Is, the, I isn't have a, a different time zone than us. No. Right? Yeah. Right. That's right. Craig, <laughs> actually, Myron's the only one in a different time zone. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I have a question. I'm. I'm. I like. I like my scotch. I like my single malt, but I don't know a lot about it. So my question is, you know, since you guys are a little bit more experienced than I am, how do you pick? 
or, or how do you go out and, and say, oh, let me go try this bottle? Uh, or, or if you have a few bottles, how do you pick what to drink and why? And somehow I became the moderator. A lot of, a lot of my uh, choice of a drink would be based on my mood. So it depends on the day. What, what, Joe? I said, and if there's alcohol in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, you know, I would just drink milk. Right. Exactly. <laughs> milk. That's what I'm drinking right oh. now. Milk. Or, or a good glass of water. Uh, so scotch in, in, in particular, if, if you like a really peaty scotch, you know, there are definitely select ones for that. And I am not a peaty scotch guy. I, I do I do like my scotches, but I don't like them too earthy or too peaty. I don't like um, anything that smacks me in the face when I drink it. Yeah, right? hey, but uh, but I, I do but like do a, a scotch. How do you know? Do well, you, you know would look when you when you're looking at a scotch, you would you, you'd have to learn the different areas of scotch, and uh, where they're located. If uh, if you you can look up a map and you yeah. can tell we the can different talk about it in a different podcast, we can go into yeah, different regions different of scotch okay. and which ones are peaty and which ones are not. Yeah. Um, but if you have a scotch um, and you like it, you know the one thing we do is is to try it straight. And then maybe add a little water because that definitely does bring out the flavor more when you add some water, typically at room temperature. Yeah. Um, I would not. You know what I always, you know what I always say, sorry to interrupt, Craig, but you know what I always say when people say to me, "Oh, you know, I've heard so much about scotch, but I don't know where to start. I don't know anything about it." I keep it simple. Well, I tell people, well, start with Highlands. Highland yeah. overall, they're the less, the least kick you in the butt type drink. They're usually smoother overall. And I, I'll always recommend something that's you know, decent. I tell people stay away from things like some of the cheaper blends that are $30 a bottle. In life, you always get what you pay. You know, <laughs> whatever you pay is what you're going to get. So if you're going to pay $30 for a bottle of Johnny Walker Red or Black, you're going to get a $30 scotch. You know, like, you well, know, those, are, those, most... are those are blended, right? Those aren't even food. agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So, you know, the, the interesting thing about scotch is the history of scotch up until the early 1900s, all scotches were blended. Nobody drank singles because they thought it was sacrilegious. Mm. And it was an art that the blenders, Johnny Walker included, Johnny he, Walker. he would blend. No, but, you know, look at the history here. Hold on a second. If you, if you scale back the clock, the history of Johnny Walker is actually a really interesting one. He was a master blender back in the 1800s. And he was able to blend different scotches to create some unique tastes. And to this day, there are some good blended scotches. Now, I'm not a blend guy. I'm a single malt guy. But there are still some. <clears throat> he drinks Monkey Shoulder. So, no, I drank that because you recommended it. By the way. <laughs> and I regretted that ever since. But so I don't, I don't remember. I remember you liked it a lot. Go, nom, nom, nom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> let, me, let me just finish the sentence. So. The, the simplest way to look at it is over the last hundred years, we've gone from blends being the de facto to eventually single malts being the de facto because it's a lot harder to get a good taste out of a single, single scotch. So that's what the single malt is, a, a scotch that comes out of one barrel, a blend is multiple different brands that they mix together to create a flavor. So is one better than the other? It's, you know, it's individual preference. However, that being said, if you start with a decent bottle, something simple, not very expensive, you know, like maybe, um, you know, uh, a Dalwini 15 or, 
you know, uh, a, um, a Glenn Levitt 12, even that's a le really inexpensive 30, 40, $50 on, on the low side, depending on where you are for a small bottle, you, you start enjoying the, you, that's good entry level scotch. Take that scotch, keep it in the fridge. If you really want to dumb down the, the bite on it uh, for a couple of days and then try a little bit of it. And the, the secret to drinking scotch when you first start is the nose. Everyone talks about the nose in wine People say don't breathe the scotch because it's not a good def definition of what the taste is. I like breathing in and taking a, a whiff of the aroma. It's personal preference. So you start off with something simple, inexpensive, and graduate. At my place, actually, um, at my house, I have friends that come all the time that I host scotch That's Greg. Greg's not invited, nor is Myron. Well, you know what? Take a flight up to Toronto and I will be happy to host, <laughs> all right? <laughs> and so I'll line up like five, 10 scotches, depending on who it is and who's coming. And, you know, people that can appreciate, and I know they're not going to just chug like alcoholics, you know, that's one thing. <laughs> but if someone is going to uh, let me explain it in a history background, it's an art. I'll bring out the nicer scotches because I know they'll appreciate it. You need to sp be with someone that actually has done it and understands it. Or not that this is an advertising plug because it's not, but the best book I ever bought in my life was the scotch encyclopedia it's like 50 60 bucks but damn does it know everything nice i digress hence the word, hence the word encyclopedia who knew i'd buy an encyclopedia in 2018 or a book uh my rule at my house if you come visit you can drink from any bottle one time wow that's pretty cool love that not, rule i'm on my way you're not allowed to drink from the same bottle twice can i can i go can i take a pint I was about to no, say, did you say how I, much I can drink? I, I actually pour it, so you, you don't get care. the, you don't get the pour. It. Well, that well, way you don't, because you, you know you'll find a bottle that you like, you'll end up drinking half of it by the evening's over, so yeah. that's not fair. So. Yeah, that's true. Don't worry, there, there's quite a few bottles, you know, you, you have more <laughs> stuff to pick from. Well, uh, I think I think we've we've gone way overboard on the time, but uh, I think this was good. You know, those of you that are listening, I it was awesome. I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to us, and hopefully this has been informative. Uh, we'll try to put some more to together uh, in the coming uh, weeks. And, um, you know, one thing I'm going to ask from everybody that's listening and actually enjoyed it is to please tell others, tell your friends, tell those that are in the industry uh, that may also uh, benefit from this. And um, that's all we ask for. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, everyone. Yeah.